Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Wow. How's everyone doing? It's very full. It's great to be with you guys this morning. Hope you're doing okay. Uh, I'm so excited that we're taking a whole service to focus in on serving. It just feels really good to look at it. I've been freshly provoked by God this week as I've been preparing just to, just to how, how much serving was foundational to what Jesus did and who he was, that, that actually that's, that's a huge part of who he was and what he did. And actually as disciples, we, our, our calling as a disciple is to follow Jesus really closely. That should be your desire. If you know Jesus here this morning, your desire should be to get to know him better, to fall more in love with him. And to follow him really closely, it should be that you want to uh, see what he did, listen to his teaching, and then do the stuff he did and respond to what he said. That's what being a follower of Jesus is all about. And so what's brilliant this morning is we get to look at Jesus and his lifestyle of serving. Uh, We can get freshly inspired and provoked to learn more. How do we imitate Jesus? How do we become more and more like the one we love? And so I'm so excited that we've got this time aside this morning to focus on serving. And we're going to look at Jesus, and we're going to look at his example, and we're going to be inspired by him. And I'm just praying that Jesus would do something in our hearts, where what I'm going to be talking about isn't particularly new. Uh, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is going to breathe life on what I say, and that we will catch hold of God's heart for service. God's heart for laying our lives down for one another so that we can see the people around us made great and step into all that they're called to be. Um, And you know, Jesus promises that uh, when we come to him, when we follow him, that we can access life in all its fullness. That's what he promises. And you know, the way Jesus calls us to live our life is the best possible way we could live. And it's as we follow his example, it's as we serve It's as we look to be more like him that we can access the promise of life in all its fullness. And so, are you ready? Ready not just to be a listener today, but to activate your heart and to respond to what Jesus says. Great. Let me just pray for us. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence here. We thank you so much that you are... Uh, with us and that you're for us. We thank you so much that you've rescued us. We thank you so much, God, that you've called us by name, that we get to be in relationship with you, that we get to worship you freely. It's amazing. Thank you, Father, for rescuing us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you're alive. Thank you we get to relate to you. We get to hear your voice and respond to you. God, we just want to say that we love you. We love you, God. And this morning, Holy Spirit, would you breathe on us? Would you come and fill us afresh? Would you come and provoke us and speak to us? I pray that you'd cause us to be more like family as we get hold of your heart for service. And I pray, God, that you teach us that we would learn how to have the heart of a king but hands of a servant. God, teach us what it means to, be, to have hearts, a heart of a king but hands of, hands of a servant. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I said, Jesus modeled this lifestyle of service throughout his ministry. I don't know about you, but it's mind-blowing for me, the fact that he even came to earth in the first place. I think it's absolutely mind-blowing that the God of the universe would choose to make himself nothing and come to the earth in the form of a baby 
to take on human flesh and to become debt-dependent on human beings who he had created in the first place. I mean, that's a huge, um, massive uh, service in action in that moment that Jesus made himself nothing. He, he humbled himself to come to the earth in the first place. That's service. Why did he come? Well, he came so ultimately he could go to the cross. Ultimately, he came so that he could go to the cross, so that he could lay his life down, literally lay his life down for us, so that he could take our sin and our shame and the punishment we should have taken, that when he rose again from the dead, we can come into freedom and fullness of life and forgiveness, and we could know hope and joy and peace. He came and literally laid his life down for us so that we could have new life in him. It's the ultimate act of service. It's amazing. He came as a servant so that we could become sons and daughters. And there's so much we could pick out on, from Scripture about Jesus' model to us of this lifestyle of service. But I just want to pick out one piece of Scripture that is just before Jesus goes to the cross. And it's this beautiful encounter that Jesus has with his disciples um, when he makes the decision to get down on his knees and wash his disciples' feet. And I just want us to read it together, and I want us to learn together what does it look like for us to more closely follow Jesus after this morning? What does it look like for us to live lives of service and sacrifice, laying our lives down so that people around us can flourish and be all that God's called them to be? So let's read together. We're going to read from John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says this, Before the Passover celebration... Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, grabbed a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. just going to pause there for a moment, because I want us just to try and picture the scene for a minute. And not, I don't want us just to read over this and be over-familiar. I want us to actually picture the scene. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the Saviour of the world... God humbled himself by getting down on his knees to wash the feet of his disciples. No wonder Peter objected so strongly. You mustn't wash my feet, Lord. I mean, just imagine for a moment if Jesus were to walk in the room. Say he comes through the door, comes up to the front, and he, and he, and he comes to you, he starts to approach you, and it becomes clear what he's about to do. And as he approaches you, he starts to look like he's going to get down on his knee because he wants to wash your feet. I wonder what you would feel on the inside. I tell you, I don't think I would feel at all comfortable about that. But here's the amazing thing. The truth is that Jesus has done a whole lot more than just wash your feet. You know, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it was a symbol of what he was about to do for them on the cross. You know, when he washed their feet, he washed 
their body on, in, in externally. He washed the mess off of their feet externally. But when he, were, when he went to the cross and he died in their place and rose again from the dead, he made it possible for them to be washed completely clean on the inside, to be totally forgiven for their sins, for their shame to be taken away. The reality is Jesus has done so much more for us than simply wash our feet. He's washed us totally clean on the inside. We can know complete forgiveness. We can know complete acceptance and love. And we get to come into the relationship with our Father that we've always been made for. We get to know joy and peace and hope and the sense that we are gonna, we're going to know that we're going to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. He has done so much more for us than simply wash our feet. And you know what's really important is that we allow ourselves to receive Jesus' service of us on the cross. It's it's important that we allow ourselves to be washed by him, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his acceptance, to receive his love, to receive everything that he's won for us on the cross. Let me ask you, when we talk about the cross, have you just become a bit over-familiar w- about it? Or are you every day living in a fresh revelation and understanding of what it actually means for you to come back into relationship with the Father? It's so important that we receive what Jesus has done for us because in order to live the life that he's called us to, in order to be the people who lay our lives down for the people around us, we need to receive all that he's done for us because that's what empowers us to do the stuff he's called us to do. You know, if we're going to follow Jesus' example of living this lifestyle of serving other people, we first have got to understand who God says we are. We've got to understand who we are. We see it in this passage in verse 3. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. And it was because of this, the very next sentence, so... He washed his disciples' feet. In other words, Jesus' posture of service, his choice and his ability to go low to make the people around him great was rooted in his identity. He knew who he was. He knew that he had authority over everything. He knew that he'd come from God. He knew that he was going back to the Father. And because of that, what flowed out of him was service. You know, when you understand who you are, when you know who you are as a dearly loved son or daughter of the God of the universe, what naturally flows out of your heart is service. You become hardwired to want the people around you to flourish, to bless them, to serve them, to stand with them, to lay your life down for them. You know, when you, when you know who you are, um, you don't have to strive or strain for position or title anymore. Because you know what God says about you, and that is enough for you. When you understand who God says you are, you don't have to compete with people. You know, you don't have to compete with people in your family or in your workplace or in a church setting when it comes to your strengths and your gifts, uh, because you're, you're totally secure and satisfied in what God says about you and who you are in him. In fact, your focus becomes, how can I help this person to succeed in who they are. How can I lift them up to make them the best possible version of themselves? When you know who you are, you're happy to serve in the secret place and not be seen. You're happy to do menial tasks 
Because your identity isn't from the approval of man and people seeing what you do. Your identity is known that God approves of you. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this morning, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? And what I'm talking about here is not just knowing it as head knowledge, but knowing it through revelation from the Holy Spirit in a way that it means that your behavior changes. And this understanding our identity is a lifelong journey. There will always be more for us to understand. But I want to encourage us this morning never to become over-familiar. When, when, when someone says from the front, you're a son or daughter, something should wake up and, and, and jump inside of you because it's amazing that that is who God says we are. And it's, it's important that we go on a journey of asking, Holy Spirit, would you give, us, give me greater revelation of this truth in my own life? I want to understand more what it means to be your son, what it means to be your daughter. Go on a journey. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you're a dearly loved son or daughter of the God of the universe? Do you know that God chose you before the creation of the world and he took great delight in doing it? (laughs) Do you know that you've been made in the image and likeness of God? Do you know that you're no longer a slave to sin but you're a slave to righteousness? You know, the Bible also says you should consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to obeying God. Is that how you think, you think about yourself? Are you considering yourself dead to sin and alive to wanting to please God? That's who you are. Do you know that the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you? And he wants to flow through you. Did you get that? So in other words, God himself lives in you and wants to flow through you. Do you know that? Are you living with that as reality in your life? Do you know that you are the light of the world? You're called to represent Jesus wherever you go. You're not meant to be hidden under a bowl. But as people see your life in dependence on him, they're meant to see Jesus. Do you know that you have direct access to the Father? This is huge. It's amazing. We've got to be amazed at this truth, what the cross has achieved for us. Because if we want to follow Jesus' example of laying our lives down to serve the people around us, it comes out of us knowing who we are in him. Let's go back to the passage. and We're going to read from verse 12. Says this, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth slaves are not greater than their master nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus says to his disciples, you've seen what I've done for you, now follow my example. says it in verse 14. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. We're called to live a lifestyle of service 
because we're following the one who modelled a lifestyle of service. And he says, guys, the thing you've seen me do, do that thing. From a place of knowing who you are, how loved you are, how accepted you are, you're called to lay your life down and serve the people around you. And I just love how back-to-front things are in the kingdom. It's so, it's so interesting. You know, Jesus is known by the disciples as Lord and Teacher. And with our worldly heads, we would think, well, what, it, what makes sense is that he should be the one who's being served in this, this situation. He is Lord and Teacher. The disciples surely should be the ones who are getting down on their knees and washing Jesus' feet. That's what, that's what we think, isn't it? He should be the one who's being served in this instant. But Jesus turns everything on its head. That's why the kingdom of God is so beautiful. Jesus turns everything on its head. And so for you and I, the fact that we have been raised with Christ, we are seated with him in heavenly places, we now can step into abundant life out of the overflow of everything Jesus has given to us. We have the privilege of lowering ourselves, of getting down on our knees, of serving, of going low to make other people great. And you know, serving can look like a whole load of different things. We could talk through a tick list of different things you could do to serve. But I don't want us to miss the point here. What, I, what I'm much more interested in is that we, our hearts get hold of something of a fresh revelation of Jesus' passion for serving. I want us to serve because God has done something on the inside of us. And we love him so much and we want to follow him so much and we want to imitate him so much that we choose to serve because that is our motivation. I want us to fall more in love with Jesus. And because we fall more in love with him, we can't help ourselves but to serve, to give it away to whoever we meet. And you know, there are times when God asks us to, stir, to serve in areas that we're specifically called to. So... Um, I can think of various different examples, but one example, Anil Kumar, who works in our King's Kids here at church, he's a hero. And uh, I, I was talking to a mum recently who'd um, gone to pick up one of her sons who was part of Anil's group. And uh, she arrived to pick up her son and she said to me, um, I looked in the room and it was just chaos. Chaos was ensuing all around. And she came up to Anil and she, she um, picked up her son and she said, she said, thank you so much for what you're doing. She said, I don't know how you do it. And you know what, Anil, his response would have been, I love it, I love it, I just love it. It gives me so much life. I mean, he's hardly ever in the meeting here because he just gets so much life from serving our kids. And he's, he's literally laying his life down to see our kids flourish. It's just amazing. As an example of someone serving in an area that they feel called to be in and life flowing through that. Um, someone else, a friend of mine, Sam Loxley, who works for our King's Arms Project, you may never have heard of her, but she is literally laying her life down to serve people, some of the most broken people in our town. She's often out in, the, in, all, in all weathers, meeting the most broken, the most desperate people in our town, and seeing, seeing what God will do to turn their life around. And I had coffee with her recently, and she's doing amazingly well. I mean, she is literally seeing lives transformed. She's literally seeing people who are, have, have no hope, who are stuck, homeless on the streets, coming into housing and getting their lives back on track. It's amazing. And I'm listening to her and thinking, I couldn't do it. I don't know how you do it. And obviously there's a cost to it, but because she's called to it, she, she's laying her life down. And she's, she's knowing life by doing the things she's called to. 
And, you know, I talk to people who are serving in different nations, and I talk to people who are called to influence in politics and the education sector and, and in healthcare, and I hear stories of how they are serving and they are laying their lives down for the people around them, for their colleagues and the people they're serving. And I listen to them and I think, I just couldn't do it. But something wakes up in them as they're doing it because they're serving in areas that God has called them to serve. And although there's a very real cost, life flows. It's amazing. And so sometimes God calls us to serve in areas where we know we're called to be doing this stuff. But there are other times when we get to choose to serve because there's a need. And because we're family. Because in a family, everyone mucks in to make stuff happen. I was um, away a couple of weeks ago with some of the other leaders here at the church and we, we spend a lot of time in meetings and working together, and we just want to take some time as senior leaders every so often to just get some time to be together and to do family and be friends and play games. And, and obviously, we worshipped and we listened to Jesus, and there was some, there was some work stuff. Mostly, it was just about being family together and connecting. And uh, there was 11 of us there, and uh, when we were sitting at the table, around the table at meal times, it was a little bit crazy, you know, we've got food laid out, and I want that food at the end of the table, so I'm calling down the table, can you pass me that food, and things are crossing over each other, and then we forget we haven't brought knives out, someone has to run around to the kitchen, pull the knives out, we're pouring drinks for each other, and it's brilliant, it's just like family. And at the end of the mealtimes, there's suddenly this flurry of activity as everyone jumps into doing something to help clear up. And so, you know, you've got uh, Simon and Kirsty stacking the bowls and, and, and sending them through the hatch, and Phil and I are in the kitchen, and we're, we're loading the dishwasher, unloading the dishwasher, loading the dishwasher. Sue's done all the food. Kathy's clearing out a big pot that's got gross stuff stuck on it. Um, PJ's making teas and coffees. We've all, we, we've all got a job to do. There's a flurry of activity as we all step in to do something as we're family together. You know, if we had gone out for a meal to a restaurant there would have been a very different expectation when it came to serving. When you go to a restaurant, you go to a business, and you pay money, and there is an expectation that comes with that. And the expectations is things like, are people going to seat us quickly enough? And if you, know, if, if you get seated and someone doesn't come and take your order quickly enough, then you make a mental note. Or maybe they bring your food out and it's cold, some of us might send it back and ask for hot food. Some of us, because we're British, would just make do, but make a mental note, we're never going to go back there again, and do the passive-aggressive, spread the word, don't go to that restaurant. We're not going to tell you to your face, but we're going to make sure no one ever comes to you again. You know, There would be a very different expectation. We would expect to be served, and we would expect to be served well. And we certainly wouldn't expect to clear the table and load the dishwasher. It just wouldn't happen in a business. Guys, I just want to tell you this morning, King's Arms Church is a family, not a business. And it's so important that we approach each other and serving with that mindset. You know, if while we were away as leaders, when the flurry of activity happened after the meal, it would be, it would be very odd if during that moment I went to the lounge and put my feet up. while everyone else was doing this thing, if I had gone to the lounge and put my feet up in that moment, it would have been a bit odd. 
It would have been even worse if, with my feet up, I started to get angry with PJ because he was taking too long doing my coffee. It doesn't make sense. Because the thing is, in a family, it's not all about me. It's not all about me in a family. It's about all of us together fulfilling needs, doing stuff that needs to be done for the greater good so that everyone is blessed. Equally, in a family, serving doesn't look like doing only what you feel called to do. You know, during that time away, I unloaded the dishwasher and loaded it a few times. And I was pretty good at it, if I do say so myself. I've got my little formula, and it was pretty good. And I had to learn to work with Phil, who was doing a different thing. But anyway, uh, I, was, I, was, I was pretty good, pretty good. Released him to have his little... No, I'm kidding. But I was pretty good at it. But honestly, guys, I don't, I don't particularly feel called to it. I don't particularly feel called to load and unload the dishwasher. But I do it. Why did I do it? Because I'm family. And in family, you do stuff that needs to get done for the blessing of the whole family. You know, there are many, many needs in our church family. And I think the question for us this morning is, is not whether we actually feel called to do something. I think the question for us must be, do we feel committed to being family together? Are we feeling committed to building a family here? Because if we are, we feel the needs because we want the whole to flourish, whether we feel called to that or not. And of course, I'm just going to punch things a little bit deeper here for us because I don't know if you're feeling provoked already. But just to, just to take things a little bit deeper, of course, if you, if you, in a family, meet a need, it means that you will sometimes find yourself doing stuff that you don't particularly enjoy doing. You wouldn't naturally to choose to do that thing. And in those instances, we have the privilege of being able to get with Jesus and make sure our heart is happy as we do that thing we don't really want to do. It's where the rubber hits the road. Now, the first level is I'm going to sign up to meet a need because that's the done thing. It's an entirely different level to sign up to meet a need and to do it with faith and joy and passion and excellence because you want to be like Jesus. Yeah, it's no fun for you, all the people you're serving with, all the people you're serving, if you do the thing you're doing without a happy heart. On the flip side, if you can get hold of the big picture as to why the thing you're doing is so important, then you can get so much out of serving. You really can. I, um, a couple of weeks ago, ended up going out and doing... Oh, um, getting, running away from me. Going out and doing car parking... Um, it was so fun. Uh, we didn't have team, and Sue asked me if I'd go and do it, and I got to put on the yellow high-vis jacket. Confession, I'd never done carpet, car parking before, um, but I figured, that at least at the beginning of the meeting, all you're doing is 
directing cars, and I kept having to count how many spaces were free and send people that way and send people that way, and I was doing pretty good. Darlene and Jeremy Cons arrived fairly early on, and thank the Lord, uh, within about five minutes, I saw Darlene having put on another high-vis jacket running out to me, and uh, she was like, I'm coming to help you, I'm coming to help you. I was like, that's so fun. I tell you what, it was so fun serving with her. She was so full of joy. And I don't know if you saw her. The cars were coming, morning! And she'd do this like little jig. And I was like, wow, you are so full of joy. This is a provocation to me. But what was awesome was we got to welcome people as they came in. But also, we had a brilliant conversation. I, I don't chat to Darlene very much. She got to ask me some really good questions. I got to ask her some really good questions. Essentially, we did some discipleship with each other while we were pointing people to where they should park. And then in between meetings, we went back out. Unfortunately, a guy called Tony was there. He's an expert at the car parking because I think if, I, if he hadn't been there, I probably would have been run over. I, in fact, at one point, I almost was. He had to coach me where to stand so that I was out of the way of the cars because you've got cars leaving and cars coming. And he was very chilled out about, whole, about the whole thing. But again, it was awesome because I got to chat with him. He got to ask me really good questions. I got to ask him good questions. It was so much fun. I got so much out of it. Imagine how it would have been if we'd gone out with miserable hearts. It would have looked really different. I would have missed out on some stuff, actually. How are we doing at living a lifestyle of service? This is what family is like. Are there needs in our church family that you can meet? Is the provocation to you to serve with a happy heart? When we follow Jesus' example, it means that we live a lifestyle of service. What's amazing to me is that God says when we do what he asks us to do, we get blessed. That's what's amazing. Verse 17, Jesus says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And in Acts 20, verse 35, Paul quotes Jesus and actually says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's the upside-downness of the kingdom again. So if, if, you, if, you, if you come here to receive, if you come here to learn to receive, I want to receive from Jesus, you will get blessed, but there is a higher blessing available to you, and that is if you come to give, to contribute, to serve, to get involved. There is a higher blessing available for you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, Jesus gave everything for us so that we could know freedom. He literally laid his life down. The ultimate servant we get to step into a brand new identity. We get to know his love, his abundance, his grace, his kindness. There is no lack for us. Out of that place, we have the privilege of kneeling in the dirt and serving people around us so they can be everything God's called them to be and so that we can be family together. And all of us benefit when we come with that mindset. Jesus is calling us to live with the heart of a king and hands of a servant.